Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, we have Puya, super coach. He helps you get your sales in gear. More importantly, he helps you get in gear. Puya, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Umar. It's great to be here. Superb. So what intrigues me is you could have uh, two people selling the same thing and one person is highly successful and the other person uh, struggles. And when you look at uh, person B that struggles, they may have the better education, may have the better looks, may have all the uh, privileges life has to deliver, but there's a missing element. So why do you think some people are better at selling than others? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, the first aspect that I would point to is something you probably talk about a lot just from knowing you for the short while, which is the psychology of that individual. Um, One thing that I always say, which I borrowed from my first and most valuable mentor is your outlook determines your outcome. And I genuinely believe your outlook on sales, your outlook on business, your outlook on life will always lead to your train of thoughts, which determine your actions and your actions, of course, will yield those results. So I would say, I would look at the psychology, the mindset, the outlook, first things first. And then, of course, it's depth of experience, it's training, it's actually equipping yourself with the right skills. And, you know, some people have the natural inclination and drive to go and educate themselves. Others don't as much. So I would start there. I would start with those two different aspects. So here's a couple of things. Uh, I've got this formula in my head. It's skill set times mindset equals results. And if you have a weak skill set and a weak mindset, the results are going to be really, really bad. If you have a strong skill set and a weak mindset, results are going to be better. A weak skill set, strong mindset, results might be better still. But when you have strong skills, strong mindset, watch out. Absolutely. I definitely agree with you. I mean, you can have the most talented person ever, but if they don't have the mental fortitude to be in sales, to stick through the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys, they're not going to get very far. So I would definitely agree with you. That's that's the optimal formula, the right mindset and the right skill set. And what's kind of interesting on mindset is uh, this guy that I'm thinking of, I won't name names, who uh, gave himself a VP business card in his company. You just said some cards made that he's a VP now. And okay. people are like, what the hell is going on? But before this, like uh, two years before this egomaniac emerged, he had a come to Jesus meeting with the CEO. And the CEO was like, you know, I've given you so many chances, you're worthless, and I'm going to fire your ass at the end of the month. And something about that just switched something on inside him. And he just became a sales beast. It's just whatever was holding him back just went away. And it wasn't like, go for mind training. It was just that. And I think there was a relationship between the CEO and him where he really wanted to impress his boss. And him saying, I'm going to fire you, lit something, and he took off. But I think he went like overboard. And then it's like, hey, I'm making my own VP cards, and and I'm doing this, and I'm selling all this stuff. Uh, Sometimes not the margin I should. So sometimes people have an awakening. Have you worked with someone you were coaching that you helped them get that awakening? Hopefully you didn't tell them you're going to fire them. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had that scenario as well. So uh, I'll actually tell you my thoughts on that. I've worked with a lot of different companies where uh, I went in and essentially it was an outsourced sales model. So we would hire, train and develop their mm-hmm. sales teams. That, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I've had to hire and fire many people over the years. And I've been in those scenarios and I've seen from the outside as well, scenarios just like you mentioned, where somebody has the fire under them and now all of a sudden, uh, they have this come to Jesus moment, as you said, and decide to turn things around. And I believe that's a result of pressure. That's why I have this picture behind me. The black says pressure and the red says pressure is a privilege. And uh, I genuinely believe that. Uh, we can get into more of that conversation as well. But in terms of getting somebody going and myself having those experiences, yeah, absolutely. I think it comes down to what drives you. A lot of people are driven by inspiration and what they want to achieve. The, the nice cars, nice houses, the big checks. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are driven from a place of desperation. You know, they've been broke and they never want to be broke again. Uh, I would argue desperation is always a more powerful driver. And it sounds like that scenario you mentioned was exactly that. It was out of desperation. So I think the drive is very important when it comes to sales. That's what fuels the mindset. Absolutely. And I think uh, what's kind of uh, intriguing is in our society, we have a lot of negative beliefs around salespeople. And many of them are not justified. Sure, you can find an example of a sleazy salesperson. You can find a sleazy doctor. You can find a sleazy lawyer. But I think their reputation taints everybody else. And that would be okay if they taint everybody else. But for many salespeople, those beliefs, societal beliefs, go inside them. And sometimes it's like, you know, they hold back because of that. And so one of the things I think you and I are trying to do is to just let people know is nothing happens until somebody sells something. Like literally nothing happens. Absolutely. Yeah. At the end of the day, getting that exchange to happen is the most important aspect of any sales process. And also the only way you can help somebody, right? If somebody comes to you looking for, you know, uh, I don't know, any product or service, looking for a car, looking for a service, uh, looking for an idea until that exchange happens, you haven't given them any value. In fact, you've only wasted their time, right? So it's actually a negative. It's not, it's not even neutral. So the exchange, the close, getting the deal done, getting the handshake done is the most important aspect of it. And uh, I think, like you said, uh, yourself, myself, we're working on reframing this thought process and this uh, the way people see sales in general. And I honestly believe, and I think you would agree, over time, the only people that stay in sales and in business are the ones who do it right, are the ones who build long-term relationships. They're the ones who last uh, and stand the test of time. Because if you're unethical, sooner or later, you're going to be blown out of the sales and business world. And I think karma will come and pay you a visit. Yes, absolutely. And I think uh, what kind of breaks my heart is when you see someone that's got such great potential and they're not achieving it. Uh, yeah. And you know, how can we help them do that? Because when they do that, they're... Uh, Kids go to better schools, better vacations. They feel better. It just helps the company out, helps the customers out. And so let's kind of break down the sales process. So I'm going to start at area one, which is uh, landing the appointment. So let's say sure. you were using email, LinkedIn, phone calls to land an appointment. What would you recommend? What are the five pieces of advice you give people to start landing more appointments? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll list off what I feel would be valuable and hopefully they, they add up to five. Um, I would say first things first, obviously, as, as a sales professional, you're looking at the lead acquisition. So whatever model you're using to acquire your leads, whether paid or uh, you know organic forms of lead acquisition. Now, as a sales professional, usually you have your company already bringing you leads. You have lead departments and so on, marketing departments, depending on obviously the business, the industry that you're in. 
Um, I work with a lot of different industries and businesses, so it's I'll try to address from all sides. Um, I would look at in terms of booking an appointment, first things first, being very clear on who your target market is, right? You want to speak to somebody who is within your target demographic, within your niche market. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, you can talk to a hundred people and have incredible conversations and ask to book an appointment or book a call or book a sales presentation. But if they don't have any need or use for your product or service, then you've just wasted your time, right? So and uh, first- Exactly. And theirs, of course. Yeah. Um, first, number one, I guess, would be look at your target market and your niche demographic. Absolutely. Right? From there, I would look to have a framework that is proven. Uh, I'm not a big believer in scripts. I'm a believer in frameworks. And the reason I say that is I've personally been in sales in seven industries. These are industries I've actually worked in directly, sold products and services, built teams in and so on. Nowadays, I'm exposed to all kinds of different industries. And I can just tell you, from the last decade of personal experience, a script is not preparing you for real-time scenarios. A script right. is not preparing you for every type of prospect, every personality type, right? The, the objections and the things that come up in the process. So I would love to have a framework, a body of uh, essentially a script, but more of like the scaffolding on a building. You have a framework you that you know how to follow, uh, but at the same time, you can be flexible and lenient and you're well-trained within that. So I would say number two would be have a great framework so that it's duplicatable and it's efficient. Mm -hmm. That would be number two. Go ahead. I'll let you interject. Number three? No, no, number three is good. What's number three? So we, we, got a, we got the target. We know who we're going after. We got a framework. So basically we can be nimble and agile in that conversation and not be yeah, locked absolutely. down, dear occupant. And this is what I'm supposed to say now. So I agree with that. So what's number three? Yeah, absolutely. Um, number three would be from as the way that we're looking at it here from this perspective, number three would be to have essentially a closing piece that works every time. So this would be asking for the appointment. Uh, you're not asking for the sale. Yet. This is very early in the sales process, obviously, just for the viewers. Uh, but this is you asking for the appointment. So asking them to hop on a call with you, asking them to come into your office, um, asking them to schedule a later appointment. So you should have some kind of framework there that works well, uh, and you're asking every single time. A lot of salespeople make this mistake of not asking certain prospects or assuming that these individuals won't be interested in their products or services. That's one of the number one mistakes you can make. I always tell people that I work with, whether salespeople or entrepreneurs, even small business owners make this mistake. If you're going to assume anything in the sales process, assume that they services, exactly. And assume that they will want to talk to you. They will show up, right? And most often that is the case. You know, I, I always like to make this extreme example that people aren't crazy. You know, they're not psychopaths to talk to you, to show up to an appointment, to spend all that time, and they're not interested just for no reason. Of course, there's an interest there. There's a reason they're talking to you in the first place. So assume that they want to hop on that appointment and uh, always, always, always ask for that appointment and ask to schedule it and make sure that's a part of every single process. So I would say that's probably number three. Yeah. So, Puya, some of my clients are telling me they're uh, struggling with these issues. Any of these issues happening for you? And if the person says yes, then you've got a reason to have an appointment. So would that be part of the process or would you use a different technique? Sorry, can you repeat that question? They would say yes, but then... No, no. Uh, so let's say you go, uh, Bill, uh, you're in the realtor business. And right. a lot of my realtor clients are telling me that, you know, oftentimes they go on a roller coaster where they're prospecting and then they're working and they're prospecting. So it's feast and famine all the time or that they're limiting themselves where they reach a certain level of performance and then they basically take their foot off the gas or they've got this third thing, which is like a, a lack of confidence. And if they were more confidence, they'd get more transactions. 
any of this happening for you? At which point the client says, oh yeah, number two, number two is happening for me. Really, uh, how many transactions do you think you're leaving on the table? Five. In Canada right now, it's $10,000 per transaction is the average commission. So that's $50,000 is what's happening here, right? Yeah. Then we should jump on a call and uh, let me show you three ways that you can stop doing that. So is that the strategy you use of just pointing out some generalities? Because if you go, so what are the problems you're having? People like, oh, I'm doing okay, thanks. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, my thoughts are on that. It sounds like that's a that's a framework that could work. Again, I would have to see that tested in the market across sure. larger numbers. What's one so that I'm, you do know that does work? Well, it depends on the industry, but I'll tell you what works uh, as a general idea, as a general concept. Now, you can take specific words and ask direct questions depending on the industry, but as a general idea, you want, and the parts of your script that you just mentioned that I do like, your framework, is exactly this. You want to put the focus and the spotlight on them and mm-hmm. how you can help them and how you can be of value to them. Because the reality is nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about your great product or service. Yeah, nobody cares about your company. You're hurting my nobody feelings. Cares about, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how it is. That's the reality yeah, of, of the course. world. That's right? the reality of the world. Yeah. So any great framework is one that really puts the attention on them, that shows interest in them and that way you'll get the information, the intelligence that you need to gather in order to then be able to you know, schedule them onto an appointment to create that urgency for them to even want to hop on an appointment with you. So I would say as a general rule of thumb, you want your questioning, line of questioning, your uh, fact finding, your prospecting framework to follow this uh, idea of you know, what's in it for them. You know, what value are they going to get from that? Brilliant. So that was number three. Might have been four. We covered three. We'll go into, by the way, these are completely arbitrary. We're making them up as we go, but I think they're relevant. Yeah. Just so people know. I didn't come. They only do that with people that are experts on the other side of the mic. They're like, oh yeah, I can roll with this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, So number four, based on, again, the trajectory that we're heading right now would be to, uh, I would say this is a minute detail. So I, I would almost skip this, but I think for the sake of this conversation, since we're going into the minutia here, I'll tell you this. Number four would be to lock the appointment. Um, And this is specifically to increase your show up rates because a lot of salespeople, and I know you deal with this too, go through all of this, do a lot of prospecting, book a lot of appointments, but their show up rates are extremely low. Mm -hmm. Uh, So number four, in order to just uh, preemptively, right off the bat, increase your show up rates will be to lock in the appointment. So very simple question to just add at the end of your script after the call or appointment has been scheduled and booked, just simply ask them. Now, is there any reason that on this date at this time, you wouldn't be able to make our appointment? Do you have any other events or anything else close to that time period that might interfere? Uh, you know, our appointment is for a Saturday. Do you have any family events or anything that could potentially get in the way of that appointment? And if they say anything that shows hesitancy or, uh, you know, I, I have an appointment or I have to pick up my kids from school or I have this and I have that, then you know that more than likely they don't have that full commitment to that appointment. Right. And obviously your, your time is valuable. So is theirs. So then you want to go ahead and offer them uh, another way to book the appointment again, another time, another date, and make sure that it's really locked in. If they say, no, absolutely, it's in my calendar. I've set a reminder. I'll be good to go then you book that appointment and you know it's locked in and that really does increase your show up rates. So that would be number four. And so I'll add a 4.5 in there because sometimes it's uh, critical to have other people at that meeting too. Like my CFO needs to be there. And if you ask right. that question before you set the appointment, then you say, oh, I got to check with him. It's going to be a while. So lock down the appointment. And then once you've locked it down, say, is there anyone else that needs to be at that meeting? 
And sure. they'll go, oh, yeah, my so-and-so needs to be there. It's like, great. Please invite them to be at that meeting as well. And just reconfirming one more time, da 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 And I think that helps a lot and stops them from stalling to book the appointment. I would agree. And one thing that I would say is you could even do it, uh, you could even flip that process. You could even add that question into your framework. I mean, if you're you know, doing B2B sales and you know mm-hmm. that multiple decision makers have to be involved, you're going to have that question in the script already, in the framework already. So mm-hmm. you probably would have addressed that. Then you figure out when they're available. Then you go in for booking that appointment. Then you lock the appointment and then you continue from there, right? Um, and I'll go into number five, and then I'll turn okay. it back to you. You cool. might as well finish up the five points here. Uh, number five is uh, not directly in terms of booking the appointment uh, as to your question, but I think it's something that needs to be addressed. Number five would be if you want to be consistent over the long term with uh, prospecting, with scheduling appointments, and always having a full pipeline, you need to have that schedule into your calendar. So my rule number five for every sales professional or even beginning entrepreneur, small business owner would be to have ideally two different times blocked out in your calendar, mornings and afternoons. So you catch different types of people at different times in the day and have it blocked off, whether it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, where you're just doing outreach, prospecting, scheduling appointments, filling your pipeline. So that would be number five. So you always ensure a consistent prospecting. Always. What's kind of interesting is some of the people that are uh, leaders in real estate, they're prospecting every day, even when they're like insanely successful. It's like, hey, I want to model this behavior to my people. And besides, I make a shit ton of money when I do that. Right. And so some people kind of go, oh, now I've made it. I'm going to relax. It's like, uh, that's a good way to drown. Keep swimming, baby. Absolutely. It's the actions that got you there, right? As long as you maintain the actions that got you to where you are. There's two main areas of weakness that uh, salespeople have. Not every salesperson, but in sales organizations, when I ask them, what's the area that you wish your people would do better? Two answers always come up. Get more appointments. And the other one is close. Mm -hmm. They can get them near the finish line. They can't get them over. So uh, right back at you with uh, five things you recommend when you get to, you've had the meeting and you're going for the close. What would be the five things that realtors or other salespeople need to pay attention to to get a yes or to get a definite no? Like, okay, this is not right for me, but how do you get a yes? What's the five ways to do that? Sure. Uh, Again, great question. And uh, just to be very clear here, obviously I have a lot of different frameworks that I teach and things that we work on with clients. So I'll do my best to deduce them into five specific points for the sake of this conversation, but uh, we'll make it up as we go because I think this is essentially the way you would look at it, uh, generally speaking. Uh, Step number one would be to look at the qualifying stage first. Now, I know we're talking about the close, but I always say that qualifying is the second most important of any sales process and second most important step of any sales process. And that's where you get the information. That's where you qualify individuals. That's where you really build that relationship. So I would say, look at that process and make sure that process is really honed in. Um, If your qualifying process is honed in, your qualifying questions are honed in and you know what works for your business, for your industry, that's how you're setting yourself up for success later in the close. So that would be step number one. Any thoughts, comments, questions? No, it sounds perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, From the qualifying stage, step number two would be... uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to skip to the close because I, I, obviously all the different no, elements. No, you're right. So the qualifying process. absolutely has to be there because if they don't have a need, uh, don't have the right timeline, don't have the budget, then it's no point doing. So let's say we've got all of that. So qualifying is absolutely critical. That's like a beta. Now we're going uh, to actual yeah. product. So what would be the five things when you get to the, you know, they got a problem, uh, you know, they got a timeline, they got a budget and you know how to yeah. make decisions. How do you get it over the finish line? 
Sure. So again, I would still say number one would be to have qualifying uh, done correctly, to have the yes. right questions, to get their needs, their wants, to get all that information from the very beginning. Uh, the second thing would be within your presentation or demonstration of your product, service, whatever it is that you're selling, um, you're showing a house, whatever it might be, depending on what industry you're in, uh, you want to figure out their main buying motive, the number one thing that they're looking for. What is It is usually one general thing. All the other little things are under that same umbrella. What is the one problem they're looking to solve? If you can figure out that one problem and present a solution for that, it's very natural that you should get the deal. You should get the close. So I would figure that out. That would be step number two, figuring out the main buying motive. That's obviously going to come mainly out of your presentation or demonstration aspect of the sales process. But again, in the close, you need those steps in check. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. That would be number two. Uh, Number three would be having offers or prices or packages that are, for lack of better words, irresistible, right? Having right. offers, pricing, and packages that really over-deliver in value, right? Uh, Warren Buffett has a quote, price is what you pay, value is what you get, right? Now he's talking about investments. He's talking about companies that he buys, but the same transfers directly into sales and into business. It's, it's like any other business, right? So price is what they pay, whether that's a lower ticket item, a higher ticket item, it really doesn't matter. Value is what they get, so ensuring that they're getting two, three, five, ten, a hundred x return on that investment uh, is going to be a surefire way to get that deal. So, Absolutely. what are your offers? What are your prices? What are your packages? What does all of that look like? Right. Number four, I would say would be to, uh, I would say, ask for the sale again. Going back to that always rule, same as the appointments always go for the close. Ask for the sale. Don't assume that they're not interested. Don't assume that this is not the right time. Yeah. Don't assume that you know. They're not. Uh, they're not looking for moving but ahead. Not, of right? Absolutely. Sorry to throw you off your game, but I just wanted to okay. highlight that point. And yeah, it's shocking how many salespeople talk around the sale and don't say, "Are you ready yeah. to move forward?" And it's because that uncomfortableness about being a salesperson or issues around money that come up. It's like I don't want to seem greedy, or if they really want to buy, they'd say yes. It's like no, you're the salesperson. It's your job to ask them not once but multiple times if they don't say yes and not because you want to twist somebody somebody's arm to get it. But oftentimes it's like they're so pre-programmed to say, oh, I want to think about this. I want to do this. I want to do the other thing when they actually absolutely need this thing to help themselves or their company grow. Absolutely. No, I definitely agree with you. And just one additional tip under number four to, to go along with your point. A lot of salespeople don't ask for the sale because they are afraid to ask that direct question. Something that would help most salespeople is just do an option close. Have more than one offer, more than one package, more than one service that you're providing. Most companies do have more than one tier package option. Even if it's as simple as just one model is different than another model. One tier is slightly more expensive or less expensive. Just present it as an option. Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, or Mrs. Prospect, I guess. Uh, We have these two different options. My personal take would be this option works best in your case. This is what you're looking for. This one solves your problem. Which option makes sense for you? Which option works best for you? Very simply, do an option close. That way you're not directly saying, are you ready to move forward or uh, credit card or cash? You know, just asking the direct question that yeah, a lot of people- Yeah, option is, uh, it's, makes it much safer. Exactly, exactly. It just helps. So, you know, if you're a beginner salesperson or uh, really afraid to ask for the sale, the option close is always a solution. Just present two different options. I would always say, give your expert recommendation because you're the expert in that space. You're yep. the expert in that industry, right? So provide your expert opinion 
you guide the conversation, tell them what option you recommend and why, always give it the why as well, and then ask the question and, and leave it to them, right? So Absolutely. Brilliant. Back to number four. Yeah. And <laughs> so number that was number five. Four. Can we bring it home with number five? Yeah. And uh, number five would be, obviously, naturally, everybody's thinking now, well, okay, I did all of that. I did the four steps. I asked for the sale, but they're going to give me objections. How am I still going to overcome these objections and be able to close the deal? Well, number five will help you do that. Uh, to sum it up very easily and very quickly, I would say you want to isolate the main objection. Now, there are a lot of different frameworks that I teach around objection handling, around getting the deal done, closing, all of that. It's a lot to talk about, but very simply put, you want to isolate the main objection. That would be step number five. So if you can be genuinely curious, genuinely, not fake, not orchestrated, genuinely curious in your prospects and in their needs, um, and continue to dig deeper, continue to ask questions, continue to genuinely get a better understanding around their current situation and the reasons they would have to move forward and the reasons they would have not to move forward, right? You will eventually uncover that hidden objection, the number one objection that is really genuinely holding them back. So you've isolated the objection. Exactly. And as long as you handle that one objection that you've isolated, the deal should be a close. And that would be number five. Absolutely. And just kind of under supporting all that you said is very much when I'm uh, chatting with someone, it's like, okay, so this is not happening. How's that impacting you? And they give you like, this is impacting me in this way. What's that costing you? What's the emotional impact? And all of those things really add up. And once you get three or four of those things, it's like, oh my God, our efficiency is down. So the CEO is looking at me like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I could be fired. Lots of emotions there. What's the impact? I'll be losing $200,000 a year. And you list those. And when you go at the end and it's like, okay, you were telling me. So if I got this right, I was taking notes that uh, this thing is causing you this issue is keeping you up at night. It's costing you $200,000. This is costing you $300,000. Sounds like you got like a million dollar problem. Does that sound right? That was the number you just gave me. Yes. And it sounds like you really need to fix this. How'd you like to get started? Is usually what I do is because kind of sum it up at the front, but it's very much, I think what you said throughout both is like, it's not about you. It's about the person that you are helping. It's about them, their world. What are they seeing? What are they doing? Absolutely. So before I get to the last part of the interview, which will, uh, you know, talk about you and your service, do you have any questions for me on the mindset portion of sales? Yeah, I think uh, something that would intrigue me is to know your perspective. I feel like we're very similar in a lot of ways. I think Mm -hmm. we have a similar outlook, uh, which speaks to both our experiences because a lot of people, as you know, uh, in the sales and business world, talk from a place of theory or books uh, and it's very noticeable. Uh, And then there are a few people that talk from a place of experience and I can tell from yourself that you have that experience. And so for that reason, just from the natural experience that we have in sales and business, we have a lot of the same thinking. I think we agree on most things. Uh, where we might have slightly different opinions is the value of uh, the mindset versus the the actual skill set or the training. So I'd be intrigued to know your thoughts. Uh, t- turning the interview here for a second, uh, asking you the question: What would be uh, your thoughts on, you know, what's more important? Uh, you know, the right mindset, the motivation, I guess, the right energy, enthusiasm, or the the nitty gritty skills, having the process, the framework. Uh, the ability to ask the right questions, the closing, all these different things. I mean, how do you see that? Out of the two, I think mindset and confidence is way more important, but you'll only reach a certain level of success with that, but you'll be more successful than maybe the average salesperson in which you go, I am doing really well. 
but that process is absolutely critical and the skill set in selling. And I think when you combine the two is where you get magic. And one of the things that salespeople hate is process. Mm -hmm. Hey man, let me sell. You want me to do the process? You want me to sell? You want me to feed information to the CRM or you want me to sell? No, I want you to shut up and do this. And here's why. It's because you as a manager, Puya, is you can only help people if you know what process they're using. And so let's say you got someone that is uh, doing okay in this five-step process. You can go, oh, it looks like on step two, you're not doing that as well as you could. Let's coach around that. Let's get mindset right around that. And as soon as we do that, all of a sudden your close rate goes up by 30%. And as I say, let's tweak number step number four. You're doing great, but let's tweak that. And it brings it up another five points. So I think it's that combination of the two. If I had to pick one between the two, I think chutzpah, that confidence is like killer. Mm -hmm. But without process and skill set, you're going to be a diamond in the rough. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I think uh, you laid that out pretty well. I think that confidence is definitely necessary, that confidence and that conviction. Um, I've always said this since the beginning of my career in sales. And I say it to this day, your prospects borrow your conviction. They borrow your confidence. So it's absolutely necessary. I mean, you can't have a great closer sales assassin, as I like to call them, uh, without the confidence and the conviction. It's just not possible. That being said, just to throw a little wrench in in the wheel here. uh, My first mentor used to say, and I love to hear your thoughts on this. uh, My first mentor always used to say, if you have a room full of uh, motivated individuals and, you know, motivated, they're on the tables, they're rocking and they're rolling, but they're not trained and they don't know what to do. All you have is a bunch of motivated idiots. So that's also, you know, it's a very, you know, direct outlook on that. Uh, But that's where I I also feel, you know, the training, the self-education, uh, really getting your skills up to par is also necessary because confidence alone won't get yeah, you. Yeah, I agree. Both, it's a blend of both. And uh, so I was just uh, working with this uh, company, it's a construction company. The founder started it 50 years ago. And so uh, the president said, okay, Umar, we really need you to help uh, our leadership team be a lot more uh, effective in what they do. We're already really good. We want to be freaking fabulous. And so, but you got to talk to the uh, owner of the company. So we have a nice 40 minute conversation. He says, I'm going to need to think about it. And so then we have a meeting with the president and the CEO, the founder uh, on Zoom. It's like an hour meeting. Right. And he goes, Umar, we've decided to go for you for one reason. And I go, do you know what that reason is? And I go, "Uh, no, what's the reason? Passion. You had passion and I'm trusting in your passion. You're going to do a good job. And so, you know, people apply for different reasons. So Puya, uh, obviously you're a master at your craft. How do people work with you? Yeah, great question. I mean, you can find me on any platform. You can find me on any of the social platforms. Just look up Puya Hidari. That's my username on everything. Uh, I have a YouTube channel as well that I love to provide just free information, love to give back. So that's a good starting point as well. I probably have 230, 50 plus videos on there. I'm not sure exactly, but there's a ton of content there where you can start from. And you can also just go to puyahidari.com, see a lot of the different clients that I work with all over the world in different industries. And uh, you can fill out a quick application there and uh, hop on an introductory call with my team, chat more. If we can help you, I'd be more than happy to hop on with you and add value. Brilliant. So a couple of questions. What brings you joy in your work? Yeah, great question. I think uh, you, you sort of said passion uh, a few minutes ago, and I thought about exactly this, this point right here. So I'm glad you asked. Uh, I genuinely believe to have long-term success uh, you need longevity. You need to be in that space or in that thing for quite a long time. Master, and do the yeah. work and 
Exactly. To achieve that level of mastery and to have longevity, I believe you need passion or purpose. Um, so I've always been a fan of following your purpose, following your passion, following your natural inclinations. Now, when you're young, it could take some time to figure those things out and, you know, really figure out what you do best. Um, once I was at a conference, this might help some of your viewers. Yeah. And, uh, I was just sitting VIP right at the front of the stage, which I always like to do just so I have more access to connect with people. Right. One of the speakers was actually Steve Harvey, the gentleman who's on TV all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was talking about passion, purpose, your gift. And uh, the way he defined it is he said, your gift is what you naturally do better than most people. And that stuck right. with me And uh, at a very young age, obviously, when I heard that. And uh, that's what I always wanted to pursue. I've always been uh, just naturally good at communications, sales, all these different things that sort of came together, uh, which led me into really investing in myself, the self-education path. And I always talk about self-education is more valuable than formal education. Uh, my first mentor used to say, formal education can make you a living. Self-education can make you a fortune. And I still believe oh, yeah. that to this day. Um, and you know, that's that's where the passion and the purpose is for me. That's why I love the work that I do. It's all been a natural progression for me. Ah, love it. What is one mind hack you want to share with uh, our viewers and listeners that would allow them to be better, stronger, or faster? Or all three? Yeah, sure. I think in today's world, the number one thing that I would point to is focus. In today's noisy world, focus is a superpower. Being able to do deep, meaningful work, focused work, like I mentioned earlier, block off time in your calendar to do your prospecting, to do any aspect of your sales process or business that moves the needle. So not busy work. Not just, you know, uh, making yourself seem like you're busy, but actually being productive in your day. And you only do that by really blocking time out, by really moving time out of your calendar. So I would say focus. I think the most successful salespeople and entrepreneurs are people that are directly focused on their work and get the job done every single day. Brilliant. Is there a question I should have asked you that I did not? I don't believe there is. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours and we could talk all day long. So I'm already envisioning part two of this coming up soon. Absolutely. I would be more than happy to come back. I've enjoyed this conversation. I think you genuinely did a great job at uh, breaking down to the nitty gritty, all the different things that will help your audience in the actual sales process and the actual step-by-step that we came up with today, the different frameworks that we put together uh, as a team here. Uh, So I I don't think there's a question that you should have asked me. Um, Yeah, I believe I've really shared anything that I wanted to share. Brilliant. Thanks so much for being on the program. Enjoyed having you. We'll have you back again and uh, have a kick-ass amazing day. Likewise. Appreciate your time. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results.